Ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited to introduce our first and only panel for today. The title of this panel is Unlocking Business Potential with Web3. Moderating this panel is a special guest. She is an ambassador for the Helsinki Blockchain Center as well as globally for the AIBC Summit. She's known as the Crypto Granny even though she doesn't look anything like a granny. And I'm curious to know if she is really a granny or not. We'll find out shortly. Ladies and gentlemen, she is also the CEO and co-founder of Ipsum Consulting. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to the stage the moderator of our panel for today, Anita Kalurgis. Round of applause, please, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Omar. Anita, are you actually a grandma? Sorry? Are you actually a grandmother? I am a double granny. I, wow. I mean, you look amazing. My, I have two granddaughters. Naomi is eight years old and Evi is four years old. So, yeah. How, who, who gave you the name Crypto Granny? Because you became quite the sensation online. How did you, uh, well, actually, how did you get yes. that name? The, the name was given to me by the consensus uh, Bitcoin maximalist guys back home in Finland when I was together with them meeting the local officials right. and regulators uh, in order to, well, collaborate. And they thought it was so cool having an older female person who was all about becoming a granny any moment, uh, so enthusiastic about, well, what we are here for today. So they named me Crypto Granny, which I have been ever since spring 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, please a round of applause for the crypto granny Anita Kalurgis. The stage is yours. Thank you so much. And I do need to add that I'm also a very honored and proud ambassador for tomorrow conference. So that is missing from the, from the list. But obviously this is not all about me, but I have the great honor to moderate this female panel, the one and only panel today. So I definitely would want to ask uh, to join me on the stage, uh, Loretta. Channel 11. As well as Jenny. Alexa and Ritu. Amazing. And and I hope everyone out there still maybe finishing their lunch will want to come and, and listen to us as well. But it's amazing that so many of you are already here with us. And I would want to start this uh, panel by having the ladies uh, introduce themselves briefly. So we start with you. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Loretta Joseph. Um, you see one of my titles up here is AP Capital. I advise a number of um, hedge funds, financial institutions, blockchain companies globally. But in my other life, I write regulation and laws around crypto assets, virtual assets, and digital assets, depending on which jurisdiction you're in. So I've been doing that since 2012. Um, I've been in the space for, with Bitcoin since 2010. So. I think I'm also quite old. Um, I have the name Crypto Mama, so <laughs> I think uh, we're, we're, we're actually an interesting panel today. 
Thank you. Jenny. Uh, my name is Jenny, and I'm from Bybit. Uh, I've been in crypto since uh, 2018, and now I work as the BD lead of Bybit. Bybit is a world-leading crypto exchange. Thank you. Alex. Hi, everyone. My name is Alexa. I am a DAO and tokenization consultant. I support DAOs with establishing frameworks for governance operations and as well mitigating legal and compliance risks. And I'm also host of DAO Today podcast, which is an educational podcast on DAO's blockchain and navigating the regulatory challenges of the industry. Thanks. Thank you. And Ritu. Um, thank you. Um, a very good evening to all of you. I'm Ritu Maria. I'm the editor-in-chief for Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, both in India and APAC market. Um, so we were incidentally the first as a media back in 2017 who started writing about crypto when things were just starting to get warm uh, in the Web3 space. But since then, in the last five years, we've written uh, about everything related to Web3, which is, uh, you know, on the side of the blockchain or whether it was building of metaverse and particularly also interested in seeing how startups and industries can collaborate uh, to help web3 proliferation happen much faster and larger across the world and much sooner uh, as we're expecting it to be and uh, back home in india we're also building a community for web3 organizations by helping investors and startups to come together. We're doing one such initiative in Bangalore. Happy to have anybody who's here from India or wanting to looking at India uh, to come join us there in March. Thank you so much. And uh, just briefly, I, I want to add on that my human mission uh, within the industry is to involve everyone to join the economical, and technological future already today. And when I fell into the rabbit hole in the end of 2016, there was not that many women out there. So what makes me especially happy today is that not only we have a full female panel, but obviously we represent uh, different ages, age groups, and coming from all around the world, I believe. So we have a bit of Australia and Finland and India, so on and so forth. So this is amazing. But if we're talking now about unlocking business potential with Web3, obviously there is a lot talk of what is the difference between Web2 and Web3, and I believe that there is uh, some kind of consensus that we are in, the, in between, so in Web2.5 uh, moments, so to speak of. But if we look towards the great future that we have every reason to believe we will have ahead, so how is, in your opinion, the rise of Web3 technology changing the traditional business model and creating new opportunities for the companies? So it's really interesting. If I'm going to go back to Web1 for a sec. Um, I'm old. As you can tell, I'm 50, almost 54. So when I first started looking at the web and the internet, I didn't understand it. So as most females did, I Googled who built the internet. And a man called Robert Kahn came up. So, so Bob is the inventor of the internet. He wrote the transmission control protocol and the internet protocol. He's been my mentor in open systems for the last decade. Um, I was a simple derivatives trader. And it's interesting, so when you look at how Web1 and the internet developed from just this exchange of information, 
The most exciting thing that I see now on Web3 is that we exchange information, but we can exchange value. And whether you're a company or whether you're a person, it doesn't matter. So this peer-to-peer -peer decentralized um, mix mash now with in movement of institutional money is becoming very, very prevalent. And you know, I found that's the most interesting thing we're seeing at the moment. But the change I see with business models is it, it doesn't matter if you're a person or you're a company, um, you need to understand your consumer. And the consumer has access to Web 1, 2 and 3 and the internet. The consumer is now the most important thing in a business model. And for many, many years with institutions, with middlemen, they haven't had to worry about the consumer. But the consumer, whether you're a Nigerian or an American or everybody in between, and you're poor, rich or in between, you are just as important as the next consumer. So these changes in business models and the ability for us to move value and information securely is the biggest fundamental change we've seen with technology in history. Thank you. How do you see this, Jenny? What are the opportunities out there? Um, I think uh, Web3 is the fall for the giants and uh, risk for them, but it's great opportunities for individuals. Because like before, the big companies controls almost everything. Uh, like they control like what you can read, what you should read. Uh, but with Web3, like uh, it's more decentralized. So as individuals, uh, individual photographers, individual artists, uh, like they got more opportunities. You have more opportunities to be seen, uh, to have your work shown to more people and you can find your own people, a group of people. So uh, I think um, for, for like uh, every one of us, it's just important to keep an open mind and always keep up with the new things because there are always new things coming out. But when they first come out, people don't understand it and they deny it. But uh, it is changing our world, just like um, the internet back in the 90s. And uh, I think Web3 may be the internet for now. Thank you. Well, I do think that the main difference between Web2 and Web3 is the mindset to begin with, since Web3 is more focused on the community and on the collective building, and rather building on, what you, on the basis of what you believe in, while the centralized world and the Web2 businesses are largely focused on making the profit, coming up with a new idea, uh, launching it, uh, getting revenue, getting profit, and exiting. While Web3 Web is rather focused on building and making an impact and actually making a change and solving a problem. And Web2 is not as focused on that, I would say. It does provide many apps and many solutions, however, with a different energy and with, with, with different goal. And some of the challenges are, of course, the adoption. And um, it's different, it's new, so of course, people are either afraid of it or they have a bad name for it. But the fact is that this industry is taking over and the, the more we have people in and the more we solve some of the issues when it comes, when it comes to UI, UX, that the adoption is gonna get a lot easier and wider and along with that we will solve
some of the challenges that we are facing today? Sure. Um, so you know, I, uh, as a as an editor, my uh, objective has always been to see how 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 can anything go mainstream? How can the community become bigger and wider? Uh, so you know, now I think there is no needing any more efficacy that. Web3 is here and it's technology that is something that is ready to get adopted. But how do we increase its adoption faster? How do we make sure that you know everybody is talking about Web3 like they're talking about Web2? That is the real question. Um, so you know, I was when I was hearing to Dr. Michael uh, earlier from the European Blockchain Association and the amount of work that they're doing in the education space. Um, you know, what I liked was that how universities today are going to collaborate for more blockchain and more talent to be produced uh, around blockchain, which would help, therefore, a lot of Web3 startups and new organizations and even talent in existing organizations will go. I think it needs to go just trickle down a bit higher in terms of, um, or I would say lower rather than higher. It should go down to schools. Today, you know, kids who are studying in grade six, grade seven, grade eight, you know, they are playing those games that we're talking about. They are came playing those games like Roblox, Fortnite, and they are the ones who are really sort of, you know, imbibing a blockchain or Web3 technologies, metaverse, the way we want to see it. So I think it's the next five years when we will really see a maximum proliferation, provided we are able to bring down that education of blockchain right there to the school level. And in the five years, I can promise you that we will probably have the best talent, the best investors, the best consumers coming out of those schools who will use Web3 and proliferate Web3 that we really want to look at it. So I think um, the time has come. You know, I have an 11-year-old daughter who's written a book on metaverse uh, for sixth graders. You know, and that is really what is required because she's the one who's buying it. She's the one who's believing in it. Probably we are still looking at it, trying to understand it. So that is where probably the real community is sitting and we need to get to it as soon as possible. Very true so. And, and obviously, um, as a granny, my challenge is always the user experience. So, you know, my technology knowledge uh, is uh, simple as that if my phone or my laptop doesn't work, I shut it down and then I open up again. And if that doesn't work, that's where my knowledge ends. So the future, obviously, having all this conversation around the Web3 and the development of the technology aspect, which we are talking a bit, maybe too much even, about instead of the end users uh, added value on this, uh, at least experience and user interface should be simple to use for all of us, so the oldies. Another thing we hear a lot about around Web3 uh, and the, the whole technological uh, development is obviously data. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, again, how can or could businesses ensure the security and privacy of their, their data in a Web3 world? It's a really interesting question because I've been looking at um, self-sovereign data and identity for about 10 years now because I think the biggest, the biggest fear we have in the modern world is, is data breaches and, and we're seeing these more and more. Um, State-backed attacked, um, print, uh, you know, criminals attacking data because data is valuable. And 
It, it's interesting, this is one, one thing I got into blockchain because when I speak to Bob who built the internet, he was told when he built the internet by DARPA, which comes out of US security, he was not to put a security protocol layer on top of it. So when Bitcoin came along and blockchain, whatever you think about a cryptocurrency, the one thing that technology did was add a security layer to the internet which didn't exist before. So in a de decentralised world, it's much harder to attack a, a centralised amount of data. And I think that's why things like blockchain to me are most exciting because data is so valuable. And we see data breaches every single day. So when you look at blockchain and the ability to, to decentralise data, take away the honeypots for attack, it's not worth hackers attacking it. So I think business models are going to start to change because data is very, very important. And, and privacy as well, because I think up until today, I have an 18-year-old, and I think she would be happy to give you know, her birth date and her address to Facebook to figure out if she was Cleopatra in a past life, but she won't go and you know, do a census for the government. So I think privacy has different meanings to different generations, but data and privacy are probably the two biggest assets that we see now as asset classes. And they need to be looked at very, very seriously because my privacy to me is very, very important, but it may not be to somebody else. Um, data, when it's decentralised, and privacy, when it comes back to the individual, which I think we're seeing now, individuals will take control of their data so other people can't sell it. Um, are really going to change business models because the likes of the Facebooks, the Googles, who have used the technology, the internet, the web, to build business models on using our data to sell to, sell to somebody else, and the privacy around that have not been particularly uniform until probably the last three, or, you know, three years, three or two years. So I think they are going to be the biggest concerns for businesses going forward is how you manage data, how you protect people's data, and how you manage their privacy. True that. Yeni. Mm, well, I think for privacy, uh, we see a lot of the centralized platform, they are doing really bad things with our data. Uh, for example, like we may all have this kind of experience. Uh, you searched maybe for a phone case on Google, and next day, uh, when you log on your uh, e-commerce uh, platform, and then they are recommending you all types of phone case. They know what you like, and they will just send you the one that you really want to buy. So uh, I think uh, Web3 can pretty much solve this problem by the zero-knowledge uh, technology, uh, which uh, is like uh, in every business, there are many links uh, in between. Uh, but before, uh, it's all controlled by the centralized platform. So uh, let's say I'm a bank, and somebody come to me for, uh, for a loan. Uh, so I, uh, I ask for, like, um, maybe I ask for the link A to tell me like, whether this person is trustworthy and link A approved, yes. But he didn't tell me anything about this personal data, just say yes. And link B, also yes. Link C said uh, uh, this person had a really bad history like, uh, like before, so no. Uh, but I don't know about this uh, like, uh, detailed information, but still I will not give the loan. So uh, maybe we can use the zero knowledge technology in uh, 
later on. So like uh, so we separate the data and store it uh, decentralizedly. And um, I think that can solve uh, many of the privacy issue. Uh, for security, um, we see a lot of big falls uh, in 2022. Uh, from Luna Terra to FTX, a lot of uh, big players fell. Uh, I think it is, um, you don't trust uh, yourself. You trust the technology, you trust the mass. So using the decentralized platform is much safer than centralized one. Uh, we can see uh, FTX can do bad things because uh, they, the team, uh, basically uh, the owner controls uh, like everything. Nobody else knows what's happening. But uh, so uh, if that, um, uh, like for, for, for us, uh, for Bybit, uh, we, before we list any assets, uh, we not only audited ourselves, we'll also ask third party um, uh, institutions to do the audit. And if they have the token and NFT, uh, they have them both, then we will get both of them audited. So uh, trust, your, trust the technology, but trust but don't trust yourself that much. So always uh, double check, triple check. And uh, for the individuals, uh, I think the technical barrier for, for general public to enter into uh, Web3 is still too high. You know, not many people can um, control their private key and knows how to trade on their decentralized wallet. So uh, I think we still need more education and always be careful. And before you entering into Web3, maybe you want to try Web2.5 first, <laughs> like those uh, wallets in the centralized platform. So it's kind of in between. You can log in with your ID and password, but uh, you can still uh, you know, uh, get into uh, all these uh, decentralized uh, applications but in a safer way. True, and there again, we come back to the user experience and, and the for us to learn. Alexa, privacy and security Thanks. of data. Thanks, I mean, yeah, Johnny, you brought up a great example of FTX, right? So mm -hmm. the year 2022 was full of examples of what mm -hmm. not to do, and uh, that you really need to protect your assets and to remember that not your keys, not your coins, not your mm -hmm. crypto, and we really need to learn, first of all, how to sell custody and how to protect the assets that we have. And um, the education has to go both sides, both for the users and, both for, and for the businesses as well. And um, the main problem and the main failure, I think, that happens is with the users because we are used to Web2, to that centralization aspect, to that that we believe that business with our information, with uh, the password, because we always can reset the password and get the access to our account, whereas in Web3, that's not really always doable. And um, that is that the, the education is, I think, the first thing to actually go for, because people just do not realize or they ignore it, and then many bad things happen. And the fact is also that in Web 2, we do not own our data. We are just leave in illusion that we own the data because 
the personal information that we share is basically sold for targeted ads or for, um, <laughs> I mean, for targeted ads in general. So we don't own our data, even though we think and even though we should. And Web3 technology brings a different way how to protect and how to store our data and not rely on a third party. That can be done in different ways. An example, that's an excellent use case of tokenization where you actually own your data and how you can store it safely and not share it with anyone else and share it only when it's needed. So when it comes to security, unfortunately, Web3, like generally the projects, are not paying much attention to it. And it's a lot around build, 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 and come up with great ideas. And many of them have purpose. Many of them are just ideas on a paper with a bunch of hype and do not bring any uh, value. So the security, when it comes to protecting the assets and protecting the project, and as well in a legal sense, is not really high on the priority list. And that is something that really needs to change so the industry can go forward. It's not a question about regulations, whether they're good or not. It's about protecting the, the members, protecting the project, protecting the founders. Businesses are used to that legal side, and they're not afraid of the legal. And like Better said, they're actually happy to adopt any type of regulation that exists. However, um, the builders, the founders, the newcomers, they're just, they think because it's Web3, it's on chain, we don't need that, we'll live in Mars. Well, the fact is that we don't, and the consequences will come sooner or later. So we have a long way to go because there is a lot of education to be done, both when it comes to privacy, protecting the assets, how to secure the project, so we protect ourselves from hacks, which is generally not really the usual thing to do, and of course, like how to be uh, legal, um, like how to be safe on the legal side, since uh, regulations are coming, and uh, we do know that several regulators are literally in the witch hunt when it comes to the projects, and, those are, and that's something that we need to be aware of. True that, and the regulatory space we won't touch since we have Loretta here, because she won't, she can talk two days, like nonstop about it. Madritu, your view on this, the data security and privacy. Yeah, so I, I feel, you know, when you're talking about a world which has a parallel world, uh, particularly, you know, in, in, in virtual world, so I don't know what data and privacy is really going to mean for Web3. It's probably going to have a very different connotation is what I feel. Um, when it comes to looking at privacy and how we think of privacy and security um, in Web3, that is going to matter. So, uh, because you know the whole sort of foundation of Web3 is based on decentralization, it is based on transparency, ownership. So data is anyway going to be all there. But at least what we can understand and what I feel uh, in the future is that the data would not be monopolized by a few people or few organizations which is really critical. So the data is there for everybody and everybody can use it. So I think the only thing which I feel that some regulation should come in terms of Web3 is that by our own choice, by as a, um, you know, as an organization who's probably working on blockchain, it's my own choice to say that this is, this data is not something, this is private and this is, uh, 
you know, wholly and we're not going to touch this data and this data is something that we need for our businesses, organizations to function and therefore, you know, let's use this data. But, you know, if you really ask me, is, um, is data going to be, we're going to be in control of our data? The answer is no. Everything is out there. Everything about every single transaction that you do, every single conversation that you have, it's all out there. And if you know the further decryption that is going to sort of taking place in China, if that has to be believed, um, you know, and how they're planning to break it up and bring it even more open, you know, you, you're really not in control of your data and privacy. So what you can control, probably I think self-regulation is going to guide blockchain and Web3 rather than any kind of regulation per se. True that. Now, the ones who know me, know that when I'm moderating a panel, I'm, I'm very tempted to take up a one hot potato or something that you could define as one. And in this case, with you ladies, it's gender pay gap. So my question is that how do you see, ladies, Web3 technology impacting the gender pay gap in the tech industry? And what can be done to address this issue? So what do you think, Loretta? So I probably started my career in the most twisted gender um, career that I could have. I was in financial markets. I remember being the only female um, for many years, 10 years. So moving on to technology for me was nothing different because I'd always been the only female. But it, it, it started to occur to me that it still is a problem. And, and I don't think it's just about pay. The biggest problem I have with technology and a bunch of 25-year-old male coders that are writing rules around AI and blockchain and Web3 and whatever technology you think about is the ethical side. Because, because I'm a mother, I have an 18-year-old, and 25-year-old boys writing codes because they don't understand what it's like to have a maternal or a, um, an emotional side, I think is very, very dangerous. And that, that's the biggest worry I have with technology in 2023. We need more women because women bring an interesting perspective to things in a male-dominated world. And I think if you look at companies that have women on their boards, um, it, they're much better operated than, than all male-dominated domina um, you know, boards. But technology and gender gaps exist across the world with, regardless. I, I think the only way to solve it is that we get more women and more children into technology at early ages. And you look at places like Serbia, where, where STEMS is instilled in you know, little girls and little boys at the same time. They ha and, and places like Finland, you have a less gender gap. You look in Australia, where I live, and it's downrightly embarrassing. 10% you know, of anyone in technology is female, 90% are males. How do we change that? And we can only change that by dialogue and, in, and by education. And I don't think that's gonna change for the next 10 years that I can see, unless we can encourage more women to get into jobs that have, been, than, that have always historically been that of the men. And, and I think that also goes, you know, not in blockchain and Web3, but it's cybersecurity. It, it's very important, I think, that we have more women. And I don't think we can address the gender, the pay gap, until we address the, the integral problem of education and starting that very, very early for both. 
How do you see probably the youngest in our panel? Is there a gender pay gap and will this be maybe changed or fixed by Web3 or the new technologies? Yeah, I think uh, it exists, especially in the blockchain industry. You can see even in the audience, uh, I think 80 or 90% of them are male. Uh, I think uh, the first thing we need to do maybe is to change our ideas and belief because uh, you know my personal experience uh, when I go uh, go out for a meeting with a male uh, a colleague and we go together, they always assume that I'm the assistant. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's time to change uh, the idea and beliefs. And uh, I see a lot of. Uh, great entrepreneurs in Web3, and many of them are doing very important jobs uh, in exchanges, in projects, in, uh, in investing, uh, in investments. So um, maybe we should give women uh, more opportunities. Uh, don't judge on the experience, uh, the appearance, and. Um, but actually, for my company, our company, we have. I think we have more uh, women staff than male staff. Uh, I think the reason behind it is because uh, women, they are more patient, uh, more, more patient. So uh, especially in operation, uh, marketing, media, uh, I see a lot of women uh, doing great job there. Uh, and oh. In our NFT summer uh, in 2021, there's a really great project called uh, Women in Blockchain, which is pretty cool. And I think we need more representations. I think this panel is great. Uh, tomorrow conference uh, is giving a special panel only uh, for, for women. So uh, I think it's a very good uh, start have to agree. Alexa, how do you see this? Thank you. Well, I do not think that technology can, can change that. Like, it can definitely affect it. Because the problem comes from people. It does not come from technology. And that this environment is different because it's based on equality, or at least we can hope so. Um, it's, by default, it should be more inclusive since it's decentralized and allows anyone who has a device and internet access to get involved and, get, and start building. However, that does not guarantee that things will change because technology, after all, is a tool. It's a tool that we use to progress. And this environment has the ethos that can really accelerate that change where uh, women are not seen just as women. <laughs> they're seen as, like, they're not seen through genders. They're, they're seen as, you know, just as about anyone else who has certain skills, mm -hmm. who has certain abilities, knowledge, experience, and can bring different things to the table the same way as the men can. And the fact is that in centralized world, what happens is that you're usually limited to a jurisdiction. And you're usually limited to that very high level of decision making and that they call all the shots. And it's really like that, like, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it pushing, but rather calling for more diversity and for, for more equity is a bit more, uh, is a lot more challenging. 
because it's not dependent on a larger group of people. However, in Web3, it's opposite. So it's a community-based and it's a community-focused environment, which is made of both women and men. And what I'm seeing recently is that, unfortunately, Web3 and, the, and many of the very much female-focused projects are kind of turning into battle of the genders while they should rather be support on both sides and rather building on the ethos that we are here for. So again, the technology can definitely accelerate, but it's not that that is actually going to make the change. Again, it's going to be by the people because the people cause that in the first place. That's, that's who we are behind the laptops and mobile phones and, and computers. Ritu, what is your view in this? Um, you know, so I feel that with the, with the pandemic, uh, one thing probably has been highlighted is that a lot of women now can actually be working from home. Yeah, so there are far more opportunities for women today in tech and otherwise to be able to be part of the work pool because, you know, there was always this critical juncture when women were starting a family and she would just go out of the work pool most of the time. Yeah. So I think with now the new culture of work from home, distant remote working, I think that, that taboo has sort of got removed and we can always find a lot more women uh, in the tech work pool and of course Web3 Web becoming, uh, Web3 being decentralized as it is. So I would, I, I, I think uh, there'll be a lot more women, women doing more startups in Web3 yeah. uh, than we've probably seen even in Web2 or Web1 world. But, you know, that is not really it. I feel the world that we are living in is very individualistic now. You know, even if you're working in an organization, today I know Imeta just came out loudly and said it that we don't want people who work for other people out here. We work, we want people to be individualistic and they should be able to do things on their own. Yeah. And I think that is very important for women to realize as we go forward because, you know, you'll, if you look at a career of 40 years in uh, the 21st century, it's going to be very diverse. It's not going to be one job or one kind of job and just switching companies or doing some other things. Uh, that is going to be our careers. So we're going to be, at some point of time, students, then we're going to be mentors, we're going to be investors, we're going to be founders, we're going to be, again, professionals. So it's going to be a whole journey that we will do in one career, even if, let's say, we stick to that career. So I think that diversity for women is very important to find in their careers. We find men doing it, and they're doing it very nicely, but we don't find as many women doing it. So it's very important that we open up our minds and decide that, you know, when you want to put a full stop to one kind of career, you should have the wherewithal to go out and do it and pick up something else and say that, okay, look, now this is going to be my calling for the next three years or whatever. So I would want to see more that diversity happening in a woman's career in a Web3 world uh, going forward. Correct. And personally, what I see or what I want to... Uh, a vision in the future and, and maybe even hope for is that obviously as the technology develops and tomorrow we will have the digital identity and I can reveal that information of myself only which is actually needed for AYZ and then we might not even need to discuss which gender this entity represents whatever and then we are simply talking of uh, or and, and positions and, and, and uh, salary 
for that position, regardless who actually is, is executing. So uh, we are a couple of minutes uh, prior ending our time on this panel, but I would want to check if the audience has a question or two with a quick answer coming from my ladies here. So does anyone have anything you would want us to answer for you? Actually, um, since I'm sitting here, I happen to have a question myself. Is that okay? May I ask a question? Yes, of course yeah? you okay. may. Um, now, I promise I'm not trying to spark any crazy debates here. However, since we're here on an open platform, I think it's only fair if I can share an opinion or ask a question. Please. Um, it was mentioned earlier by the lovely lady sitting in the middle that um, maybe we can give women more opportunities. Do you guys not find that a little ironic given that the entire panel is 100% women and the actual number of attendees today is slightly more than 50% women and not 80-20? Just ask him. It's an interesting question. Um, it's a factual question. It's a, I think the issue is when you get opportunities in certain places for women, um, the fact that you know, we, women have children, we, we stop work for a certain amount of time. I think our biological makeups will never change because of technology. And, and technology is just jobs, and their opportunities are much greater than they were 10 years ago when I first started doing blockchain. I remember I'd go to a conference and then I'd be the only woman. Now look at this, you've got a panel of women. So, but everything takes time. Technology takes time, and I, and I think um, we as human beings take time to catch up to things. But I think um, opportunities are certainly getting greater, but it does need much more education, and I think it needs people like us to be mentors. I mentor many female startups. I mentor many female entrepreneurs um, because they don't have too many role models to look up to. So I think it's getting better, but I think those opportunities are still not at 50-50. Anyone else want to comment on this for Omar? I, unfortunately, I just barely did not understand the question. I didn't hear it well, so it's a bit... The sound. Yeah, we were just uh, asking each other what was the question. <laughs> sorry, I, I'm happy to repeat <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, sorry. Like I don't want to take this call. No, any, like, sorry, okay, if anybody like else has a question, a I'll pass on the microphone. Does anybody else have a question? No? Okay. Sorry? Ah. No, sorry. Okay. I'll, just, I'll ask the question again. Um, you happen to mention that maybe we can give women more opportunities. And my question was, do you not think that that question is a little ironic, given that the panel is comprised of 100% women? And the actual number of attendees today for female versus male was actually slightly higher than males. So what I'm trying to highlight here is something different or something that I see that is different than what is stated. When we talk about the opportunity, I see a panel that is 100% women. So where is the missing opportunity exactly? Um, I think um, women are good at some things uh, like uh, negotiation, uh, I see uh, women are doing a lot of uh, marketing, uh, promotion, and uh, business development job. Uh, basically, uh, those jobs that deal with people. Uh, I think maybe uh, we should uh, give women more opportunities to let them to also can become programmers, uh, like uh, the CEO of the company, um, uh, not those uh, don't define job as man job and woman job. So uh, 
just like uh, we pri uh, privately mentioned, uh, technology is not uh, the... It's the, a tool. Right? Yeah, it's, it's just a, a tool. So it's people that can make a difference. Yes. Like, I would also add that I think women, first of all, need to change their mindset to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, no one's going to do that for us. And I've noticed working, like, in the industry, I've been living, breathing, and sleeping this industry for more than two years now, intensively. And what I've noticed generally that men are a lot more open when it comes to talking and when it comes to getting involved and the women are is not. The question is why. So the fact is that this is tech industry and that many do believe that you need to have tech knowledge, tech expertise and skills to be here, which was the case several years ago. However, the industry has expanded a lot and there are a lot more people involved and you have a lot more things to do. And I don't think that many are aware of that. For example, I'm I have a project which is focused on female legal professionals and the questions I often get, well, I need to know how to code. I'm like, no, you need to know the law and we, need to, we can teach you like, how, you can, uh, how you can apply the existing law and what are some of the challenges of the industry. For that, you don't need to get deep into tech. And um, that's one of the challenges. The other challenge would probably be that uh, many women, uh, which depends a lot on the jurisdiction, on the culture, on the background, that many women do not really feel like their voices can, should be heard. And uh, it's, a, it's a great barrier as well. And um, I just don't feel, I don't think that they're secure and confident enough to step up and take the spot or, you know, work towards that spot because you have to work for everything. And while the men are more open and they're more open to risk and they're more open to trying, failing and trying again, while, uh, while women are not as much. No, I think a term that was used earlier here on this podium was self-sovereign identity. Women need to go out and find that identity, I feel, more than anything else. And uh, one thing in, for all the women I would like to say is please don't uh, be shy of asking for mentorship. We all need yeah. mentorship at different points of time for different reasons, for different things. Um, so therefore, please don't shy yourself from asking for that mentorship where it is required for your businesses or even for your personal life. So the more you do it, the more you'll be able to find answers and therefore be more able to take more steps openly that you need in your life. Business can follow, it, it can all happen together. But I think fundamentally, you know, you need to take some few more steps ahead in your life that is most important. And you learn every day, like literally this industry, you, you learn something new every day, yeah. it's never ending. <laughs> so if you don't know any, something, it's perfectly normal because you're not gonna know many, so many things, but you're gonna learn so many things as well, so. A granny comment, if I may add, on all of this is that to me, women and technology comes down to that there is a mother for all of us. And she, if she's very comfortable and, and uh, understanding what technology means in our world today, 
and she's supporting and guiding and helping her kids and her husband and her father and her brother encouraging into the technological path, then we will all find ourselves there and, and uh, it doesn't really matter if it's a girl or a boy, it's a woman or a man. But that is the role for me that the woman as a mother carries for all of us. And women and tech, well, that's uh, ancient history, so the future will be bright on this as well. But ladies, you are amazing. Thank you so much, uh, Loretta and Jenny and um, Alexa and Ritu. I'm so bad with names for sharing the stage with me. Thank you, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed our talk. And obviously, we are around if someone would want to have a private conversation with any of us. Thank you very much.